Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are very into the wilderness, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? So, Jonah, I was thinking about... I guess two weeks ago, kind of a more recent story, when I kind of gave you an ultimate posting dare on Twitter. Do you want to elaborate? Sure. Yeah. So me and my wife, Vicky, were out in LA and um, we're hanging out. We're doing some some podcasts, in-person podcasts, which everyone will hear more about later. But we were spending some time together, catching up, and we went to get lunch. And I don't know how this happened. But you dared me $20 to take a photo of this sandwich that was like, I'd already eaten half of it. So it wasn't looking so well, great. Well, let's specify. It was a class, it was a turkey club sandwich, right? Yeah, turkey club sandwich. And it, but it was like a, it was like a $24 turkey club sandwich. So it, it was, was like, a really nice sandwich. Yeah. A really expensive sandwich. A really expensive sandwich. I yes. mean, and I basically said, Jonah, You'd only eaten half of it. I said, what if you took a picture of the leftover half of sandwich and you posted it and you said a glow up on a classic turkey club sandwich. And, and then, then you wrote hashtag, hashtag glow, up. glow up. Yeah. So this is not really what the type of stuff that I post. Um, <laughs> I don't really well, use t- terms like this. I don't really post food. I-, I feel like it's like very out of character. 
Right. And that's kind of was part of the dare. But right. also because on this podcast, you very recently or at least within the last year learned what glow up means. Yep. And it feels like whenever CEOs or, you know, big corporations use the term glow up in their marketing, it really kind of ignites something in yeah. you and makes yeah. you really mad. I thought it would be funny if you kind of made a very, for lack of a better word, basic post <laughs> where you said <laughs> a glow up on a classic turkey club hashtag glow up and um and you posted it and what do you think what I, and I, I was, said you weren't allowed to say it was a joke you right, had to leave right, it right i was supposed to get and, 20 dollars and you were going to get an additional 5 dollars if you if i posted added, some sorry hashtag sorry not sorry and i couldn't yeah, do it i couldn't if do you it. did an, if you did a comment on the yeah, post and said i had to have, sorry, had to have some, some dignity left uh <laughs> you know what i have to be honest it's basically i feel like people saw it and just completely ignored it or tuned it out or like this is no i did, it was basically just not a lot of people interacted with it i think people what? people don't like seeing that and it was like a really bad photo but it seemed I think it, it was a cool photo i thought because okay. of your phone's camera it was actually kind i of think a cool people photo. probably thought it was serious because people post a lot of that kind of stuff on the internet um, so I, I think people were like, I don't, I don't know what people thought. I thought it was interesting that no one really made any comments about it. Like that nobody wrote like Jonah, this is so weird <laughs> that you said that. And in fact, one or two of your friends like just liked it as yeah, if people you are were nice. just yeah. really showing off your sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> to me, I now wonder if anyone listening to the podcast will see your tweet and, and it will kind of hit them a different way now that they know it was a you were dared to post it but look it's it's been up there for a little while now and no one no one's really making a big deal about I think it people have a lot going on you know <laughs> to get this obscure joke that is probably not funny to most people you know they probably just moved on with their lives you know right absolutely but but yeah but i haven't taken it down it's still there if you want to see what my sandwich looked like you can check it out. You can like it. It could still go viral. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty incredible that you took me up on that dare. And well, I don't even think I've given you the 20 bucks yet. Yeah. So you can, you know, my Venmo name. So you can just yeah. maybe after the yeah. podcast, you can just yeah. Venmo it over. Vanessa, do you want to introduce today's guest? I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today is a singer-songwriter who you might know from the band Something Corporate or Jack's Mannequin. Or you might know him from his current act, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, whose fourth album, Tilted the Wind No More, comes out on March 31st. He's also the founder of the Dear Jack Foundation and the author of the memoir, Three Pianos. Let's give it up for Andrew McMahon. Hello. Wow. Good job. Really good. Andrew, Thank how's you. it going? It's going good. I, I was... I was dying laughing through that 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 sandwich story. I, I wanted to talk, but I realized that it probably wasn't my time to speak, but I, well, I was enjoying it. I saw you <laughs> laughing, and that made me feel good because I was thinking, like, this is just not going to be funny to anyone. I mean, there is a lot of that stuff on the uh, internet, right, Andrew? There's a uh, lot of bad sandwich photos. Well, yeah, but I like the glow up. That, that was glow the, that, up. I think that was... Uh, I would be similarly disgusted, and I appreciate I appreciated the dare because I could see myself getting dared into a similar situation. <laughs> yeah, I was almost offended that no one called me out. I was like, "Do people think this is sort of how I am?" I, I know that's kind of how I felt. I was like, "Why aren't any of Jonah's friends seeing there's a problem here?" and <laughs> and wanting to like come to his 
I think there was just a level. I think there might just be a higher level of acceptance of that than than maybe even we realize. You know, yeah. like your friends are like, maybe a glow up's okay. Right. Well, the, the other thing is I've started lightly trolling Jonah on Twitter and sometimes I'll find his posts and I'll make fun of them. And I will say, sometimes, Jonah, you post in such a way and sometimes I'm not on Twitter as much or I don't see it, but sometimes you post in such a way that I act like you're asking for people to kind of, and by people, I mean me, <laughs> to kind of make fun of it. Like you'll be like, you know, doing a lot of puns and kind of like stuff that I, I love that you do that. I think it's very, I think it's funny. I think it's endearing, but I also think like, Jonah, get real. No, so. It's nice. It's nice when you have like a sister who's a comedian who has way more followers than you and you <clears throat> try to post a joke and then you get like, oh, wow, looks like my brother's a comedian now <laughs> <laughs> or something totally condescending. <laughs> The most condescending <laughs> the most condescending way I like to troll you is by mentioning the subject that you're sort of making fun of or doing a pun about and then saying like, oh wow, my brother is like talking about this subject now. Like just sort of the most condescending, like yeah. really Oh, now he thinks he knows about animals. You know. Oh, now <laughs> right, he's found right. a he's found a way to make fun of nature. That's really right, unique, right. Jonah. We got, yeah. Now Jonah's an expert on blank. Is a very common. <laughs> very common. Oh my gosh. I, yes. I, I mean, I, I I think my sister would would like to harass me similarly on on social media, but I think she she holds her tongue. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I hope she listens to this because I will tell her directly if she does. She will. <laughs> she, she's she's hearing this. It's mostly supportive, but I, I'll get it I'll get it offline for <laughs> that sure. That must be it's, really nice, Andrew. <laughs> it is a blast. It is so much fun. Because also I think like Jonah, he's a cool guy and he can handle it, you know, but it's fun to just go on there and just absolutely razz him. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful that's good clearly you guys have a great relationship I can tell well it seems like uh, on paper you and your sister have a better relationship <laughs> <laughs> we, we do we do okay yeah we're, we, we, we're surviving <laughs> is, she, is your sister younger or older she's older by you know 16, 18 months yeah okay yeah. oh wow you're so close in age super, Got it. Clo Got super it. close in age yeah so yeah, we 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 beat the hell out of each other as as children, but we do better now. <laughs> Jonah is older than me by twenty six months. <laughs> you were going to say like twenty six yeah, years. You usually like, say two years, but twenty. Yeah, if you want to get granular, twenty six months. That, right? Yeah, that's impressive. Twenty five and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, you're but, keeping close track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a little bit of a mathematician. Here, so. <laughs> so, Andrew, we were talking before we started recording. Me, you, and Vanessa recorded a podcast together in 2015. Yes. What do you remember about that? That that feels like it was like 50 years ago. I mean, it does. I, what I remember is like I, I'm a I'm a fan of your sisters. I mean, obviously, I'm a fan of yours now, Jonah, as well. But I I remember being like, what? That's amazing. <laughs> like, I get to go talk to Vanessa Bayer. And I, I was super excited. I I do remember her giving me like a little bit of guff, if I recall yes, correctly, yes. In, in that moment. But that I felt special in in that guff. And we obviously we share a we share a, a, a through line of of 
having gone through, I think, the same cancer when we were younger, you know, and and yes. so I, I remember being like, and I didn't, I didn't know that. I think going into the into that podcast, well, you would have if you had read my email when I <laughs> sent it to you, however many years ago when you were going through your when you were on, on tour and not responding to every email Instead from a stranger, absolutely ignoring my email. Yeah. Should we give some context? I sure. I don't completely remember exactly how this went down, but. As everyone... You definitely they, remember more than anyone else on this conversation. <laughs> I, I've, I'm, so when I... Everyone... I've talked about it many times. I have a show. When I was 15, I had leukemia. I'm doing great now. But I was treated for a couple years. And then I guess... I don't know. I remember reading an article in a magazine about you, Andrew, or something about you being... How old were you? Or, I was 22. So yeah. You I were 22. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I that was like 2005. Yeah. And so I was kind of in between my first two projects. I, it was in between something corporate and Jack's Mannequin at that point when I, when I found out I was sick. Yeah. And so I think I must have read about, you maybe did some interview or something in a magazine. Well, Vanessa, I was working at Alternative Press. So maybe. <laughs> Probably was Alternative Press. Yeah. So, I was yeah. going to say, it, it, well, if it was a magazine, it was probably Alternative Press because I'm pretty sure that's the only magazine that's ever <laughs> written about my career to this day. But I felt like we, re- we wrote about your career a lot. Yeah. I'm also pretty sure like I wasn't reading it. I was more reading like, you know, YM and Seventeen than I was like all the music magazines. So that's probably... there. There's a, actually a pretty good chance that at that point, like I was, I think cancer actually made me more famous than my music did. And so I think there's a chance that there were some teen magazines that were like, I was going to say, maybe I did actually read it in like 17 that's or how, something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. My publicist was working overtime at that moment, I think. <laughs> yeah. As, as you know, hey, as they should. Yeah. And I must have gotten your email address because I was like you're, there's no way your email address was in that article so I must no. have gotten it from Jonah I think and my email address at that point was probably something very offensive at AOL.com <laughs> yeah yeah so I like emailed you to say probably I'm Jonah's sister I had leukemia you know let's see 2005 so I was sick in like 97 to like 99 okay. so like or I was treated from 97 to 99 so I probably was like you know I had leukemia five years ago. And, you know, if you need anything or you want someone to talk to you about what it's like or whatever, like, please reach out. I'd be happy to talk or be of help in any way. Probably something to that effect. And yeah. And the response I got was (laughs) goose egg, zero, nada. So, yeah. So, just so you're aware, like my, I mean, even if you look at like me on social media now, it's like, my connection to the digital sphere, like from the t- like from a very young age, has been virtually nothing. But I, but I think that married with the fact that I was like, anytime somebody reached out to me, they're like, I had cancer too. I was like, yeah. I definitely am not going to talk to that person. <laughs> like, yeah, like I was like, I had this, which is the worst thing, by the way. If anybody who's gone through this is listening, like. It took me probably five or six years before I actually like started making cancer friends. You know what I mean? And, yes. And yeah. Which changed my life. It actually made my life so much better. And if I had done that, I think I would have circumvented like maybe five or six years of like really bad coping skills. And I, I think that's probably why you reached out to me. You're like, I'm going to help this guy not do 
the dumb thing that everybody does. But I was like, no, I'm just going to actually just drink a bottle of something every day for the next few years until I figure it out. I probably reached out to you because I genuinely wanted to help, but also because I thought you were a cool music person. (laughs) (laughs) This was my in. Just to be like, if we're putting everything on the table. And also... I just want to say, if I were you, as much as I'm razzing you, like I razz Jonah on Twitter, I if I were you and I and I was going through this thing and this absolute stranger had like gotten my email email and was like, if you need anything, you're like, uh, actually, I'd love to talk to people I know or <laughs> had one conversation with in the past. And I also want to say your instinct to not want to like fully sort of group yourself in with other. Um, people who have cancer gave me such a visceral memory of when I was first diagnosed. I remember they, um, and I mean this in such a, I mean this in a way that I was like very naive. I don't think this was the right reaction or whatever, but I remember like I was, I would always go to overnight camp. And then I remember when I was diagnosed, they were like, you can go to this overnight camp where everyone has cancer. And like, they gave me the brochure and there's all these kids with like no hair and it's like, you don't you want to go to this camp? And I was like, no, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> and I was like, I just didn't want to be like, you know, you, you just, especially when it's new, you don't want to be it to be your identity. And so it feels, I think like if you, if you then are like, I'm going to, I'm all in, I'm going to like, just like be talking to only people who have this. It's like, it makes it yeah. even harder because you're already trying to accept the personal part of like being someone with an illness that you don't want to be like, Oh, but now I have to change all my friends and everything. too, <laughs> Dude, for a short time, I remember they started like parading people into my hospital room. They were like, they're like, here's somebody who's gone through this too. And I was just like, can you please not send another person in here that was like young with cancer? Like, thank you. Like I, yeah. Which, yeah. Again, now I, I like, I, I see the error in my ways for sure. Right, because it really, course. it really did. I, I feel like once I finally like had a little bit more space and, and then was able to talk to people, it was like, it got, yeah. it, it was very helpful. But again, like the things that, you know, we, when you're 22, like you're not in the habit of making great decisions in general. No, but you know. I also feel like you probably weren't ready for that. You right. had to be like, I remember talking to people who had been sick once I was sort of more ready to do that. But before that, I sort of just wanted to talk to my same friends yeah, and talk about like the gossip that was going on at school and dumb teenage stuff I didn't I that was the stuff that made me feel normal was to not be like constantly talking to other people who had cancer about cancer you know and speaking of which Jonah welcome to the club yeah <laughs> did I know. you know so, this Andrew? So Andrew you probably don't know this I was diagnosed with leukemia in 2019 so just a couple years ago just like maybe different kind different kind okay no quickly you're not serious right now are you yeah, yeah, I am, but not not ALL. It's called HCL, so it's hairy cell leukemia. So it's this very rare leukemia. There's less than a thousand cases a year, or something like that. And so, you know, I did chemo. I'm I'm doing a lot better, but um, I'm realizing as you two are talking <laughs> that I actually pulled like a Vanessa move recently. And you did, <laughs> yes. By the way, Jonah's doing great. I want everyone he, listening to know that yeah, Jonah's yeah, doing fine. great. He had a week of treatment. And he's doing. He, much yeah i'm glad yeah. to hear that i'm sorry i i had no idea that you'd gone through that that's crazy yeah. i mean yeah it's it's fine but yeah so we're all we've all had leukemia and uh <laughs> welcome to know, the club the ty- dude <laughs> what a club <laughs> the type and not to be a downer but yeah the type i have is like super super rare not not you know and uh so i read that the guitar player in 
Sebastian Bach from Skid Row's band was diagnosed with HCL with this with this what yes yeah and you know I watch a lot of live music on YouTube I don't go to a lot of shows but if if a band I'm even tangentially interested in has a live concert on YouTube I've probably watched it or watched clips from it and so I kind of recognized this guy and I emailed I know their publicist I emailed I was like hey it's Jonah like I saw this guy has HCL like I have it it's very rare like if you ever want to talk he was like, okay, thank you. Never. Never heard it. <laughs> right. <laughs> nothing. Right. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. And is it like a worse feeling than when you reach out to like somebody just that you like? If you're like, you're like trying to be like a cancer brother and and, and you get crickets, <laughs> is it like, like really F you at that point? I mean, uh, Vanessa, I mean, obviously you've carried this for a long time for me that you hate me clearly <laughs> because of what happened. <laughs> but how did it feel for you, Jonah? <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, it was, it stung a little. I mean, I kind of, but, but, you know, t- t- sort of to your point, you're, I mean, I guess in this analogy, that would be you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I get it. People aren't ready. And I've actually done some, some kind of like online things like talking to other people with with yeah. with my type of leukemia and it is kind of like it can be kind of a bummer and so i kind of i get it i just felt like i was kind of framing it as like oh i'm this cool guy who worked in music like you're in this band with the guy from skid row like i and i think like vanessa like we should be friends um was <laughs> yeah. like our, our our ulterior motive i'm not just reaching out to random people but yeah i i guess i part of me kind of expected a reply but i didn't have a lot of Less stock in it, so it's fine. I haven't really thought about it till you two start talking. I was like, oh, I did the same thing, but like a couple years ago, not when I was like <laughs> twenty. Well, the other thing, though, I in in your defense, Jonah, is that the thing that you had is super rare. Like it is right. pretty crazy that you guys both. Whereas, like what Andrew and I had, you know, I'm not trying to diminish it, but also it's like one of the most common childhood cancers, you know, of all time. It's like it's like I was, you know, and and the number of times that. I said I'm Jonah's sister when I was in my teens, early twenties, and tried to get something out of that. <laughs> you know, I couldn't even I couldn't yeah. even tell you. It's yeah. just millions of times. And I also absolutely would have punished this guy and asked him about the solo and eighteen in life and what kind of guitars he <laughs> used. I mean, he would have had to answer a lot of like musical questions he didn't sign up for. Jonah, I think this is the time for the follow up based on what you said previously. Like I can tell you you're clearly not ready for this, but <laughs> I just I I wanted to follow up and just like let yeah. you know I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just do it once I a agree. week until you just and, like, like like Yeah. And I just yeah. wanna I just wanna underline like Andrew, as much as again, I, I love to make fun of this. I do think that there is like it's not that you were making the wrong decision when you didn't email me back. I mean questionable, but like it's that it's that you weren't ready to have that conversation. And by the way, you weren't ready to have it with a complete stranger. Like maybe you were ready to have it with a non-complete stranger. But I will say those kinds of talks, like I feel like if you're ready for them, they're great. If you're not, because I w- it made it reminded me too that I went to this focus group or s- something for at the, the hospital I was treated at in Cleveland with other people who were young adults, like when we were all maybe in our early 20s. And it was so interesting for me to hear about how all of us were kind of managing being adults after having this thing that was very kind of sort of made us revert kind of in our development when we were teenagers. And so it to me, it was like a very uplifting thing because I was like, wow, I'm not the only one who feels this way about mm. these things. But before that, you know, for example, when I was asked to go to this overnight camp, I was like, take your brochure <laughs> and put it back, you know, put it back on the well, stack. Would And... and- 
so just so you know, I think there's a really good chance I never even read the email. Oh, <laughs> <Like, laughs> I, I know. You know like, what? No, no, and but, I like, think- but only because I probably wasn't even reading email. Like I, I like I, I so badly want to be able to get back into my old email address just to research whether or not... I tried to find... I think I tried... I'm having flashbacks now of trying to find it before we did the Going Off Track podcast in 2015 and not finding it. Which is so disappointing because I really want to to know what it said. It's probably so clear that I just think you're cool. (laughs) (laughs) And also, also, as a side note, willing to give you advice. If you find it, I'm definitely going to frame it and put it in my living room. (laughs) (laughs) That's really nice. Um, Well, I'll be on the lookout. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm glad we resolved that. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Andrew McNabb. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. So, Andrew, you know, we wanted to get into our topic a little bit today. And I remember when you were on Going Off Track in 2015, we talked about piano a lot. We talked a lot about Bruce Hornsby, if you remember. Mm, Yes, big fan. We talked about, I think, you watching maybe the Mandolin Rain video and kind of picking up some, some, some moves. That sounds about right. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of like. His there there are yeah there we've we've talked about this but I, I in the rehash yeah there are a handful of Bruce Hornsby moves that have informed my <laughs> my playing eternally like you know I I stole like one and that's pretty much my only trick. <laughs> well, you know what I think is really interesting about you is you know I worked 
we didn't really know each other very well, but I, you know, I worked for AP and I was on the Warp Tour from, you know, 02, I don't know, maybe 03, 04. And I think something corporate was on because I remember you would come out with this piano covered in stickers. Yeah. Um, it's literally was over like, my shoulder right here. It's, it's You have it still? Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's so, what I write on still to this day. Yeah. Incredible. You still write on it? Yeah. Yeah. I've used it for, gosh, I mean, every record for the last, I don't know, got 10 or 15 years. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, because yeah, I remember, like, I worked, we did the programs, and so I remember it was like, they had to get this piano off the truck, like, all <laughs> this stuff. We were on the stage with very short changeovers, like, and, you know, I always thought, I was like, oh, Andrew's, like, making piano cool, because it's like, you guys were on this kind of punk label, this punk festival, you had this piano covered in stickers, but it was still, it was like, a piano, which isn't traditionally considered, like, quote-unquote, it's an instrument we're all kind of forced to play as kids, or used to be. I mean, what was it like? Was it hard to make piano cool, or was that natural, or... What and just to like? clarify, I just want to jump in and say our topic for today is taking piano lessons as a kid. Yeah, is yeah. just to just to center it. But go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So I mean, being cool was something I was never very good at. So that 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 is always like a a funny concept to me. Um, I mean, even when drive through signed something corporate, like I was so confused. Like we were, you know, you said you mentioned Bruce Hornsby. I was like, I was listening to. I was listening to like Ben Folds Five, Semisonic, <laughs> like you know what I mean, like the bands I was listening to in high school, Travis, you know, uh, uh, and and so when a punk label approached us, I was like, dude, there's how are we gonna? We can't tour with punk bands, like no, that that's not gonna work. And then I I just underestimated that scene's sort of willingness to sort of wrap their arms around around what we did. But yeah, it was hard. I mean, carrying a piano around on tour in a when you're touring in a van, you know, it's like a it's a fucking it's a 500 pound instrument you know that that we you know we we didn't know how to tune it we didn't know how to do any of that and we would just we would just tow it onto stages and like and try and figure out ways to make it like to mic to mic it with all these loud instruments around it you know it was like it was it was a real trial and error thing but that warp tour that you're mentioning was like it was it was really weirdly like the arrival of something corporate in that scene which i i i'm still to this day kind of shocked that they they took us in yeah and i think so i'm sure you know throughout the years people were like just bring a keyboard oh just, god uh, <laughs> oh my god dude if you if you knew how many angry sound men in nightclubs where we were playing to like four or five people were just like <laughs> yeah kid why don't you go ahead and get a keyboard you know and we put up with it though because honestly i think it it circumvented our ascent in a huge way because because we had the the sort of nerve to show up with this piano it forced people to listen even when we were playing with bands that didn't sound anything like us they were like wow that was gutsy and we were remembered for it and i think that that helped a lot yeah wow I still have people say that to me, though, the keyboard thing, even to this day. I mean, it, it, st <laughs> wow. it still happens. Like you've never thought of that. Yeah, you're like, thank you. I really appreciate it. I can't jump on a keyboard and have it work for me later. You know, Jonah and I both took piano lessons as kids. If I recall, I, I stuck with it a, a little bit longer. But the thing that I remember was like, I had several different piano teachers. Jonah, I don't know how many you went through, but they... I remember all of them and I remember like liking some more than others. Did you, when did you start playing piano and did you stick with the same piano teacher the whole time? Okay, so my parents started my sister and I in piano lessons when I think I was six and she was seven. Okay. I made it yeah. through, I think I made it through like three lessons. Okay. And 
I was, I mean, and I liked the piano. Like I had already kind of started like sitting down at the piano and being into it. This promptly killed my love of the piano for about, I don't know, maybe two or three years. Like I, I did two wow. or three lessons. My sister, like ever the academic and, and well-studied, she killed it. And so she kept doing it for maybe a year or so. And then, but I was, I was out. So that was like first grade. And then in the fourth grade is when I started, when I found my way to the piano on my own and started writing songs. A friend's dad taught me how to play like a chord on the piano. And I was like, it unlocked everything. I was like, oh my God. Like, and so I started writing songs for like a year. And then weirdly, and I don't, I still to this day can't figure out the why and how like but i kind of hit a road i hit road a roadblock i couldn't write any more songs with the one chord that i had been taught <laughs> and with like just the experimenting i was doing and so i asked my parents if they would get me piano lessons when i was in fifth grade so this is, i lived in columbus so i actually you guys you guys grew up in ohio Cleveland. right yeah, yeah. yeah Cleveland, so yep this is the year i moved to columbus and so they got me piano lessons at capital university in in Columbus, and it was with this German woman named Beatrice Eiseringenhausen. And I mean, I, I studied with her for three years, and she hated me for every single minute <laughs> of ever. I mean, that's my perception of it, you know, like... I don't even remember. Nobody asked me to go. My parents didn't care if I, got, if I took piano lessons. I asked them for it. Yeah, them. yeah. But I think I knew I had to. Like, I, I just, I, even at, like, what I was 10 or 11, I was just like, yeah, I knew I had to do it, but I, hate, <laughs> but I hated it. I mean, I hated yeah. it. Yeah. It sounds like your teacher probably did this to you. The thing that I find to be the most annoying, found to be the most annoying as a kid about piano teachers is the level of guilt that they lay on you if you didn't practice in between lessons. And you're like, listen, lady, I got a lot going on. I'm a kid. I have to play with my friends. I have maybe a little bit of homework because I'm not old enough to have like a lot of homework, but I do have a little bit of homework and I have to watch TV. And like, I need you to understand that practicing piano every day, it's not going to happen. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's like and going the, to the dentist as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the level of, they'd be like, you know, you should be practicing for like an hour a day or something. And you're like in your dreams. Now I will say, <laughs> I will say I have friends who did do that. Specifically, I want to give a shout out to Sasha Ross, to Sasha Ross and Steph Rue, who their senior project was like composing a beautiful piano like piece that that was like their whole two month thing was like coming up with this whole thing. And they, they practiced, they were both so good at, oh no, wait, I'm sorry. Steph was playing oboe. Sasha was playing piano. But anyways, they like practiced this whole thing and they were so into practicing their instruments every day. Whereas just like, I don't know, I didn't have it. And I, and I was, especially this one teacher I had who her foyer was like full of everything was owls. It was like owl, <laughs> uh, it was like owl decorations everywhere and every, just so much owl stuff in a way that you were like, something's going on here. But I remember <laughs> going to her, her basement and she would just give me so much shit about not practicing. And it just, I just, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, I've gone on a rant. But well, Van yeah, Vanessa, that was to me the worst part. I don't know if you know even know this. I took piano lessons at our high school as an adult. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, did? like in my 20s, like when I was in college or something, I like was taking music theory <laughs> and I, I was terrible at it. And they let me borrow an upright bass for a summer. This was like, f I was full on like in my 20s, like 
went back to like the middle school or something in this This <laughs> sounds like a recurring nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and I went back and took lessons for like I was home for a summer. I don't know why. And Did I Did you see teachers that you recognize? No, it was like after school and I would just go in there and I would get I took took um and it was at pepper did, pike or brady it was, it was or at brady did and you I have the must, did you have the mustache at the time though that's what i want to know because I, <laughs> I didn't sadly did not have the mustache and i have a vague memory but yeah they gave me an upright base for a summer i took private lessons and then i returned it at the end of the summer and then i took some kind of piano lesson because i was like learning more about i was taking classical guitar and stuff and i wanted to learn and i like I don't know how it happened, but I remember being like in our school as like an adult being like in our elementary school. It was fifth through seventh grade. I think that school. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, must have been so strange, Jonah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. A weird feeling. (laughs) It was a weird feeling. But I remember kind of remember taking as a kid, maybe at the school, too. I think we also took it at the school, maybe a different school, but in the same school system. But yeah, right. But yeah, I don't think I really like practicing that much either. And Andrew, it sounds like, you know, it worked for you because you were kind of writing your own material, not just like playing like when the Saints go marching it over and over. Yeah, so like I I always like I, I always play. I mean, I played from the time I got home from school until the time I went to bed every day. But I wow. could. But yeah, I mean, like that was all I did, you know, was play piano and write songs from the time I was nine until, you know, I, you know, till now. But I couldn't convince myself still to practice this material most of the time. And so like, I was a classic, like I would go in and I'd ask her to play it for me. And then I'd try and memorize how she played it. And like, that was, that was, that was how I did most of my schooling with the teacher was like, I would just study her hands and try and memorize how she played these pieces. And, and then I also started, you know, like when she started putting me in recitals, I kind of insisted that I would be allowed to learn you know, like a, a modern piece is something that I wanted to learn, you know, cause she just wanted to teach me classical music. And I wrote about this in, in the book I put out, but like there was a, a recital where I think I had to learn the minuet in G, but that I made her teach me November rain. <laughs> like Nice. <laughs> oh my God. And, and like I played all of November rain at the recital. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think this song is like eight minutes, you know, it was just like, dun, 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 dun. and I'm just like, in my mind, I'm Axl Rose with the bandana, you know, and like there's maybe 20 people spread out through like some like, you know, mid-level college conservatory. And I'm just like, dude, and I'm, I'm, I, I probably was singing the song under my breath too. Oh my God, that's so great. Well, I remember too, like, did you ever get, I remember getting a music book of like piano songs that had really cool, like I just, that's all I wanted was to get the piano book that had cool songs. And I remember I got a book that had, it had like a lot of CNC Music Factory and like Gloria Estefan songs. (laughs) Yeah, I think it had like um oh, wow. i'm trying to think of like the biggest cnc music factory uh it would uh uh is it get up on the dance floor get gonna make you sweat or, yeah. or things uh, that make you go hmm. yeah oh <laughs> <Wait>. yeah <laughs> yeah like there were some really big cnc music factory songs and just like <laughs> songs that like when you play them on a piano something gets like a little lost in translation <laughs> especially if you're like a 10 year old kid and your skills are not as you know right right well i took i took guitar lessons you know and i did that every week and my teacher would transcribe it and i actually have this we use i put this on the rock villa episode i have this 
Allison Chain's facelift tab book from when I was a kid. Wow. Um, And we talked about tab books, but yeah, Andrew, did they, because it's like now kids have it so easy, right? Like they can watch on YouTube, someone playing it. They can look up the tabs for free. You had to save up all this money to buy these tabs that were like usually wrong. Oh yeah. And it's like, (laughs) it's so much easier to learn how to do stuff now in general. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember like going and buying sheet music for like, you know, River of Dreams by Billy Joel. And like, sure. you know what I mean? Like the stuff that I was like, like getting into as a kid, I was like, oh man, I could get the sheet music, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's how cool I was, you guys. Just me hanging out at home with my River of Dreams. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but my teacher never let, I mean, other than like once every recital, I could learn one piece. Otherwise it was just like, you know, it was all classical, which now, of course, I would super appreciate like learning that. But, like my daughter's taking piano lessons now, and I ju- I swear to God, I had PTSD at her lesson yesterday because they she pulled out a theory book that I swear to God I had when I was yeah like a little older than she was, and I was just like, oh my god, oh my god, this is like kind of triggering me, <laughs> you know? Like yeah, we Jonah, you know, we were able to. Our mom signed us up with someone, then we went to Pepper Pike or somewhere to take our lessons. Our very first one was when we were little. And we had this young guy that our mom thought was really cool and really smart, and he let us skip theory. We never oh, took really? music theory. Yeah, yeah. And we then I tried to take it later in one. life, and I had no idea what I was doing. And <laughs> I wish I had learned it. Well, dude, I, okay, so my well. like my best teacher was my high school. Like he was like the high school choir director, you know. And like we had like a little performing arts school, which I was in for a minute, but it was really just this this music teacher that I really dug, and I ended up. He like he liked me and he knew I was gonna he, he could just tell I actually cared. <laughs> where probably half the kids he taught were just like, you know, he, he and he was kind of a trolley sort of dude. And so my sister for my I think it was my whole sophomore year, she had to drive me to school and she had a zero period class and I didn't have one. So I actually just audited his music theory class. I didn't I never <laughs> I never actually attended because I was horrible with homework. I hated it. But he he gave me my music theory class in my sophomore year of high school. Like all wow. a bunch of this stuff that I that I just tried not to learn. This like high school teacher just like took me under his wing. He's like, You don't have to do any of the tests. You don't have just just come hang out and I'll teach you all this what stuff. A cool teacher. Super now, cool. Can I ask you if you had to explain to our more our audience than us, but in a kind of brief way, what you learn in music theory, if you had to give us a quick lesson. What would that, dude? I mean, it's been so it, it's been so long since I've actually done it that I probably wouldn't describe it well. But I, I, I think it's, you know, outside of just the actual learning the performance of the instrument, right? It's just it's just understanding understanding the threads of of what's un, what is actually what you're learning about, right? You know, the way that the way that keys and 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 things interact with each other and and the relationship between majors and minors and sort of you know, the broad strokes that you don't even necessarily need to play an instrument to understand. I mean, there are things like circle of fifths and all these, you know, these these topics that I couldn't even, I couldn't even teach myself at this point, you know, but it's just, it's just how to understand music and the way that, that you know, the way that it sort of maps out, uh, uh, you know, in in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Andrew, was it big for you this year when, when Dream Theater won a Grammy? Huge. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I reached out on Twitter a couple of days ago. Everyone who didn't unfollow me after the turkey sandwich uh, <laughs> thing might have seen this. And I said, you know, do people still take piano lessons? And I got some replies. 
And it seems like some do, but the consensus is it's not a thing like it was when we were kids. Like it's really? the kids do. Yeah. Like some people said they do or like, um, but, but they said there's just so many other types of lessons now and so many more things available that I think piano and, and it being expensive and hard to move, like it's just not, I feel like it's not the same as it was when we were kids. It's, it's just different. I mean, I, I believe that it, but I will say like my my daughter and like all her friends, they all go to, well, not all of them, but a, a big bunch of them all go to this same piano teacher, Miss Juliet. And like, they love her and she's great. Like, I, you know, I, I go with her now. It's a kind of a fun thing for me because all this stuff I didn't want to learn when I was her age, like this teacher is doing a really good job of teaching her and I'm kind of taking piano lessons all over again with Miss Juliet, you know, like, cause I have to go learn. Yeah. I have to go learn yeah. Cecilia's pieces now. And there've been like these things where I'm like, find myself on my phone, like looking up the most elementary, like sight reading things. Cause I'm just like, oh my God, I don't even remember how to do any of this. But she's got like a little crew of friends who are taking piano lessons. But again, they're That's like, great. they're like eight, nine years old so i you know maybe it, it gets a little you know maybe that drops off at some point well i wonder too if there's also like something in the opposite way that now there's all this internet stuff like right. you could you could write a song on a piano or do something and you could put yourself you can show it off in a different way than like the only time you're playing is like in your teacher's house or whatever you know like you right. can kind of I don't exactly know what I'm saying, but do you guys understand <laughs> what I'm get, saying? Well, well, no, like, there's, another... there's more like young internet sensations. And as as a person who I'm I'm coming from the POV of someone who's always loved attention and like being yep. a performer. Like you could be like, I want to play piano. Like there's all these, you know, young people playing piano and then putting a video of themselves playing piano online and then they they're, you know, Justin Bieber. As you as you say Is that this, how it works? as you say this, I'm thinking to myself, like of all of the horrifying content that I would have created as a child if, <laughs> yes. if, if, if I were born literally like 15 years later, like it would be, there would just be so many pictures of a very heavy young Andrew humiliating himself on the internet if that was if that was accessible to me at the time you know like, oh my gosh it'd be like oh i really like this band something corporate did you see the singer playing november rain oh i mean 100 <laughs> percent. and i would have ha i would have been wearing the bandana like <laughs> i mean the, the scene would have been it would have been ugly to say the least oh yeah so and Andrew, at what age did you stop? Do you think you stopped taking lessons? Obviously, once you started the band, you're touring. Like, did you, did you, at what point were you like, I, I think I got this? Well, so I stopped, I mean, I stopped taking formal lessons like when I was about, I don't know, maybe 12. Like I took, I took about three-ish years of classical. And then once I got back into high school, that teacher, Mr. Woods, he sort of was my de facto music teacher. It wasn't like, there was nothing, we didn't have a formal arrangement but he was the first guy i think we talked about this probably on the on our last our last talk years ago he was the he was the guy who taught me what a fake book was and 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 how to read charts and um really sort of prepped me for what is a fake book it's it's it's, it's like essentially standards yeah so like you'll get you'll get books that yeah and and instead of like the proper sheet music which you will have some of that, but it'll also have like just the chord progression and the melody on the right hand so that you could 
fake your way through it. Got it. You got know, it. Okay. Um, and so he he taught me all that stuff, and he he gave me a, a a pretty good background in theory. And by the time I was, at, I mean, by the time I was at a high school, uh, you know, I, I I didn't really take any formal lessons. I I sat with a, like I had a, like a really cool like one off lesson with uh, Bowie's piano player, which was really cool. Wow. I've done like you know, and I and you know a handful of like uh, really great piano players that I've been lucky enough to be on tour with, you know, Ben, um, from jukebox, the ghost, I like, you know, he, he would, he would show me a thing or two when we were on tour together. Um, but you know, I'm mostly self-taught and not very proud in that sense either. You know, I, I, I've always like joked that it, it was, it was a vehicle to writing songs for me more than it was like a, an expression of like me trying to, you know, be, I, I've never really been trying to be the best piano player. It's more like I've, I've been trying to pass while I, while I use it to write the best songs I can, if that makes sense. Have you reconnected at all with this piano teacher that, let you audit his class and stuff. I mean, I had, I, ha- I had. He's since passed, but, but gotcha. we, but uh, uh, you know, he brought me in years ago back to my high school to do and to do a talk for for his students and and so oh, yeah, that's yeah, so nice, yeah. So we we did keep in touch for a time, um, but yeah, he, he it was um, got probably now three or four years ago that he he passed away. But, but he must have been so proud of you that he was able to bring you like that he saw you have such success. Yeah, that's must have been so gratifying for him. I mean, I I hope so. You know, he was. the thing I loved about the dude the most was just that he was, he was like a hysterical, like kind of trolly mean to, to, to a certain group of students. And then, and then otherwise you would get this like very warm, like he really cared, you know, cause he, if he, if you were, if you were somebody who really loved music, he was like, okay, I'll shine my light in this direction, you know? And, and, uh, and yeah. And, and I even, you know, I even went back to him when I was on tour after, I don't know, maybe, two or three years on tour with something corporate to just check out. I was like, to just check out my voice and make sure I was singing all right. You know what I mean? Like, cause I was wow, like worried, yeah. like, am I going to, you know, I want to make sure I'm, I never had formal voice lessons, you know? And he was, you know, he was the choir teacher and I went back and I kind of sang for him. He's like, yeah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I, I, yeah, you're, you're doing good. And I think that in and of itself was like the, the actual, like, you know, I relaxed at that point because I was so stressed out. I was going to like kill my voice because I had seen so many people do it on tour. And then as soon as he told me that, I was like, oh, I guess I can stay up all night and, you know, party <laughs> and still and still do my show at the end of the day. It's like, it's going to be fine. That's yeah. a good thing to learn about yourself. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just, just, just what every high school teacher wants to teach one of their, <laughs> one of their students. Oh, why did he come here? He's just hoping he can stay up later than he usually does. <laughs> Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Andrew and more, absolutely more fun. (laughs) Hacks is back for season three and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back. So, Andrew, we're going to play a quick game with you. I don't even know where to start with this one. We have a po- very, very popular segment on this a show called CEO Takedown. Very popular. CEO um, Takedown. <laughs> and so it's it's all about taking down CEOs who are putting profits before people. And we thought, you know, since you know, you're from something something corporate, we thought we'd do kind of a special edition, uh, the CEO Takedown Something Corporate Edition, um, oh where you give three examples of corporate behavior to see which one of these companies puts profits before people the most. Which is not right. an easy task. This is terrifying. I hate, I mean, <laughs> the games scare me so much. I'm not that witty, but I'm going to really try This is for very, guys. very low stakes. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Basically, we're going to read these three articles and, and say which which corporation, you know, is, is the worst. Um, I can kick us <laughs> off because I've done yes. all the research for this and spent way too much time on it. <laughs> Andrew, are you familiar Thank with you. the controversy happening right now between OKGO OK and Post Foods over their instant cereal cups? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> You're busy having like a full life. The band OK Go? Yeah. So um, this is kind of a long story, but let Post me think of like the less me. convoluted. So Post Foods, <laughs> they started these selling these instant cereal cups and they're calling them OK Go. And according to Billboard, the band was threatening to sue Post Foods. And so the company... Post went to try to get a declaratory judge ruling saying they haven't done anything wrong, you know, stating that their application was applied in 2022. So basically, OKGO OK said in the statement to Billboard, a big corporation chose to steal the name of our band to market disposable plastic cups of sugar to children. That was an unwelcome surprise to say the least. But then they sue us about it. Presumably, the idea is they can just bully us out of our own name since they have so much more power to spend on lawyers. I guess that's often how it works, but hopefully will be the exception. And according to the lawsuit, okay, gives lawyers and a cease and desist to Post Foods, saying the name would be sort of confusing. You know, as you know, OKGO OK has worked with Sony, Mercedes, all these big companies. Yeah. And this is this is one of the wildest parts which I didn't realize. OKGO OK collaborated with Post Foods on some promo <gasps> videos for Honey Bunches of Oats in 2011. Whoa. And the lawyer, of course, from Post, reading, you know, was like, it's been so long. That was over a decade ago. There weren't oh. not a lot of people watched that ad. 
And so, yeah, basically Post is kind of trying to preemptively sue OK Go so they don't go after them over the name. I mean, Andrew, let me ask you this. You're walking down the grocery store, you see Zinsis here. If you see OK Go on a product, would you think the band would be in some way affiliated? Whether I think the band would be affiliated or not, I definitely think they have every right to go after those guys. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's no question. I mean, it would take anybody two seconds to type OK Go into their computer, which no question Post Foods did before they named this product. And they made a decision without question to be like, that band's not big enough to cause a problem for us. Like there's no, there's no way that any major company doesn't type the name of a product in before they decide to slap a label on it. And there's no way that somebody didn't see it and make the choice. So I say down with those guys. Yes. Although yeah. you're going to give me two yeah. other options. So I'm, I'm two other I'm, options. I'm this one's going to be tough to beat though. I agree. I mean, okay. to me that the most wild part is post is preemptively suing. Okay. Go for what, like for having the name, for having the name, they stole for having the name. <laughs> they stole. They tried to settle with okay. Go as, as a good faith effort for a brand quote, branding collaboration, co-marketing arrangement. But the band rejected the offer without providing a counter proposal and made a clear threat of potential litigation. So I think Post thought, oh, we'll throw them a couple hundred grand. They'll take it. We'll sell our fruity pebbles. Nope. Okay, go. Not taking it. And this honestly gives me a lot of respect for Okay, go. I think it's a really, really cool move. Those guys have always been so creative and so yeah. interesting. And like all their their videos are next level. Like, yeah, I'm 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 rooting for those dudes. Take them down. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Vanessa, you, what are your thoughts? You also, you can't. A band's name, especially when it's an established band, like, okay, go, like, that's what they have. Like, they don't, they can't just change their name. It's, it would be so confusing for all of their fans and everyone. Well, and plug anything else into that, right? Like, 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 call your, your, your serial is called Led Zeppelin now. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, like, you know, yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and, as someone who on my show, like we had lawyers and, I, and I'm sure not as many lawyers as Post, as Post does, but Showtime has lawyers that would find stuff for us. Like we couldn't use someone's like first and last name if the person existed and we were like portraying, like if, if that name existed and that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there were so many products and things that we were, were flagged for us. There's absolutely no way Post doesn't have a billion lawyers, as as you can see by the way that they're countersuing or whatever. Like they obviously have yeah. a huge. I think Andrew's right. Defense. I think they under they underestimated yeah. the band. They thought they underestimated the band. Classic corporate mistake. Classic corporate yeah. mistake. It's just like rena- and, rename your product. Get over yeah. it. Move yes. on. Rename your product. Right. Also, exactly. I don't go. Oh. Okay, go. That makes me feel like I got to buy that. That sounds delicious. <laughs> well, what it is, if you look at it, it's just a little bowl of, <laughs> of fruity pebbles with like you add cold water and it makes it into milk. It's like, it's it's just fruity pebbles. It's just like, okay, go is like the packaging. Yeah. 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 I, it's, I, I got I to gotta side with, I, I mean, I, I feel like this is a very egregious yeah. one knowing that we have two others. And a couple to people sent about. this to me. You know, I feel like people are seeing this and they're thinking of this podcast. Wow. And, uh, wow. And, uh, wow. So, yeah. That's really, that's big. Yeah. That's Vanessa, big. would you like to get into the next one? Sure. So, the next, the next one was recently made into a documentary, I believe by Netflix. And it's based on this thing that happened in 1995 where Pepsi put out an ad that you could get if you got 
I think it was a hundred thousand or some some crazy number of Pepsi points from buying uh, from buying Pepsi products. You would win this big fighter a har- jet, a Harrier jet for seven million points. A Harrier jet for seven million points, and basically they didn't think anyone would get the seven million <laughs> points, and that anyone would really like want a Harrier jet. But there's this whole documentary about how they like did this whole. It was this huge ad campaign, and they like wanted to show kind of like a, a kid flying this jet and make it be this whole thing where like every kid and every adult thought like that could be me. And then they'd buy a lot of Pepsi products and then they would never get that many points, but they would get enough points for this. Let's call it what it is scam to work. So somebody did it. Somebody did it. They got all the points and then they asked for the jet. And basically it became this whole Law, not like, unlike this post food situation. Like if like, they tried to counter sue, it became this drawn out legal yeah. thing where they, oh well, obviously this is settle. a joke, and the people were like, well, it says here this is, a, and it, it that the documentary is actually really interesting. We don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but it's kind of similar to this story: a company kind of making a promise, doing a promotion, and then when someone actually steps up and does it, all of a sudden they change the rules by bringing their lawyers. Typical. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, yeah. what are your thoughts on Were you familiar with this? Uh, the documentary is called Pepsi, uh, Where's My Jet? Yeah. So I, I think I started this documentary while drinking a cocktail and <laughs> maybe passed out. Um, so for me, this sort of like, if I saw the ad for the Harrier Jet mm-hmm. win the Pepsi, I think there's like a, there's a, there's a moment where I sort of, you, you have to step off and say like, do you really want to buy that much Pepsi anyway? You know, like, and mm-hmm. do you really believe it? I don't know. I mean, I think it's dumb. <laughs> and I hate to say, I think that anybody who actually aspired to the Harrier jet and purchased the thing, I'm like, I sort of have like a get a life kind of. Well, I, 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 I think, right. and I don't know if this will change. <laughs> I don't know if this will change your opinion. I don't want to give too much away, okay. but I do believe they figured out a way where, where in the fine print you could buy Pepsi points or something. So they actually didn't end up buying all this Pepsi. They were like, "Here's a check for like two million dollars, way, way less than a Harrier jet." Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Harrier jet yeah, is yeah. worth like twenty million. We here, you know, I could buy seven million points for yeah, like. Like out of eight hundred thousand dollars, here's the check. Where's the jet? Basically, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I admire, I admire whoever decided to lean into this, and I'm really curious how this, how this plays out. Yeah. So I might watch this. Try tonight, rewatching it. I'm yeah. rewatching it. Maybe I mean, one night. Yeah, yeah. I'm still more annoyed about the OK Go one. That's at this fair. Moment. That's yeah, fair. the OK Go one really feels. I think I definitely think Pepsi is in the wrong here and I Totally, of course. But I hear but I hear what you're saying but the okay go one it wasn't even they weren't even trying to enter into anything initially. Right. They were just living their lives as okay go and post was like infringing on them. Like that's well, the Harrier, the Harrier Jet folks, like the, on the other side, they were kind of like, I mean, I could be wrong, but it seems like they were looking for a fight. They probably knew that nobody was planning on delivering anybody a Harrier Jet, but they were like, right. okay, maybe I'm going to just try and push this because it yes. seems like the legalese is going to is gonna play out in my favor. And so it's kind of like two dueling, in, in, somewhat intelligent factions trying to figure each other out whereas the okay go they're just getting they're just getting robbed of their of their actual property in my mind no i think that's accurate the last one uh, Uh (laughs) this is uh a and w puts pants on its quote-unquote polarizing bear mascot in joke statement made at m&m's expense so 
you know, just <laughs> I know this is a, a, a lot of a big headline. This is Como News. Um, okay. So, you know, just to give a little backstory, you know, there's M&M's <laughs> made this um, announcement. They were replacing its spokes candy. We're not talking about M&M the rapper. We're talking about M&M's yes, yes, yes. the candy. Yeah. Okay. candy. So, okay. so they okay. recently, okay. Um, you know, made a statement. They were going to replace their spokes candies for being polarizing. Um, and so, you know. Because they don't have pants on? They're polarizing because they don't have pants? Why are they polarizing? I think it has to do with, like, conservatives, like, saying, like, they're, like, too too woke or something. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's I don't, very I don't watch, I don't watch enough of this. The shit that people care about is so sh- shocking to me. Tucker Carlson. It has to do, something to do with Tucker Carlson is is offended by these M&Ms. I, I, I don't know the full story. That That's not even what this story is about. This this okay, story is okay. kind of a response to that. So that that's gotten a lot of attention. Um, okay. And then as soon as this happens, A&W jumps in. And uh, the, root, the root beer company, the root beer company, the root beer company. <laughs> okay, they release a statement like in the same font and stuff, saying that um, as I'm, yeah, that Rudy the Great Root the Great Root Beer, which is like a bear in an A and W sweater. <laughs> he's they're saying his pant, lack of pants can be polarizing. Therefore, we've decided Rudy will wear jeans going forward, not to where he'll remain our official spokes bear. After all, he is un bearably cute and impossible to replace. So basically they they kind of like <laughs> tried to jump on this Eminem attention by being like, look, we have a mascot too, like trying to kind of get attention drummed up for AW, which like let's face it, no <laughs> one cares about AW. Um so Dude, my bet my best friend Adam really likes it. Okay, A&W well root beer. Jonah, you, you do too. Yeah, okay. I I like it, but I like root beer. I'm I'm not like and you know what to be yeah, honest, you're not if you look A&W. at the ingredients, NW probably isn't even root beer. I mean, it's probably like wow. it's probably like flavored like now now who's gonna get taken down? Yeah, <laughs> well, you guys are in big trouble. Beer, well, though. I think is you it, know is if it you, from if, a root beer plant? No, but I think if you got like uh uh, like like, From, like Virgil's or like sass, one of these higher end root beers. Like I think it would be more legit than like an A and W, in my opinion. I don't know, maybe even an okay. IBC. Yes, sure. Sioux City Sarsaparilla. Uh, well, yes. It also seems like it also seems like they, you know, M and M's have these iconic M and M's that are were their spokespeople and spokes now candies. Maya Rudolph spokes candy and now Maya Rudolph is the spokesperson and so that's like a shift that they made because they were getting some kind of you know criticism and whatever and I don't know I, I'm not super knowledgeable about how long this has been going on or or what mainly Tucker Carlson's biggest issue is with this but but they they made this announcement about how they were switching that they have a new spokesperson and they still love the spokes candies and and right, but this right, is right. like what they're doing now and then as Jonah said A&W released this thing about how their spokes animal this bear was now going to be like dressing differently and they were kind of trying to do a satire right. of what M&M's was doing but nobody knows what their <laughs> spoke like. Nobody knows about this bear. Right. It's not like the bear is nearly as popular as the M and M's candies. So it's uh, candy like uh, spokes candies. So it's just sort of like jumping on this thing. <laughs> I get that they're trying to be funny, but it doesn't work because nobody knew about the bear before. So you can't. 
Right. It, it, it's, yeah. Andrew, what yeah. are your thoughts on it, this one? I got a feeling you're not going to have the visceral reaction you did to OK Go. <laughs> well, you know, we the first, started the, the first the, one really yeah. strikes close to home. Sure. You know of I mean? course. So, of course. I think I feel more sad for A&W <laughs> yeah. than, yeah. I, than I do. Yeah. I mean, I would like, I mean, is it greed? I don't think so as much as it's just like, oh, man, we really wish our product anybody cared about it at all yeah (laughs) you know what it's like it's like to to give an analogy it's like a little kid going to a professional baseball game and bringing his mitt and thinking he's gonna play right field it's like yeah (laughs) yeah like like and i and i wonder you know jonah did you think that (laughs) it's like you did what when you were a kid, no, did you I think don't know that if I thought that, break... but it's like it's like oh, yeah. you're gonna go in the, in the big leagues. Now you're gonna take a seat in the last <laughs> row. Like you're not quite here yet. For I mean, I think still the first one feels the most uh, the most egregious to me from the from the corporate standpoint. Sure. It's like there, there's a real like this is like of all of them that is the sort of douchiest like aggress aggressive sort of move i think of it, of anybody you know the pepsi one i think in their minds are like nobody's gonna go for nobody thinks they're gonna get a harrier jet right they're just stupid in that case yeah, right? right i think and then in this last one i mean i just yeah i just kind of feel bad i i, I almost <laughs> kind of want to get a a and w bear like shirt and wear it you know and just be like yo he, like he's here like we <laughs> We love this bear, yeah. you know. Like I, I want to give him a, like a hug. Yeah, you know? I feel that's the, he's seeking. Just, he's desperately seeking attention. Clearly, yes. <laughs> and just because his name is Rudy the Great Root Beer. <laughs> yeah, which is like it doesn't yeah, make, doesn't make it, any sense. It doesn't, and also just to say, like I don't think when I go to a grocery store, I guess, or a or a convenience store, and I'm getting root beer. I guess I kind of buy whichever one is there. There usually isn't a ton of maybe I'm not going to the to the right stores, but there aren't like a ton of choices. Sure. If A and W is there, if it's Barks or A and W, you're not really feeling. Yeah, loyal. Ma- although honestly, I'm going <laughs> Barks, right? But like, um, I just feel like it's it's not to me. Root beer is such a kind of niche thing. It sort of speaks for itself. It's not well. Well. I- it's also like, this yeah. is just a big thing, and not to get too off on a tangent or wrapping up, but this is a thing corporations do now. I notice, especially on social media, like Dunkin' Donuts will post something and then like State Farm Insurance will oh. chime in with like trying to make a joke about it. And it's just like so gross because it's like- It's all desperate. Of these, it's really sad. All these people yeah. working for corporations like trying to jump out like, oh, like Dunkin' Donuts is a big following. Like, you know, and it's just like, yeah. it's never yeah. really like funny. Piece, it's always yeah. like, just like feels just, and it you get this kind of Rudy feeling that Andrew's talking about where you're like, oh man, this is this is rough stuff. Well, you, you well, like feel these, like you can see the room that they're in, yeah. right? You feel like you can see yeah, all the, like, yeah. all, they're like, I've got a great idea, you know? Like, and they, they like hired like a young kid who's like pitching like what they think are funny ideas. And then they probably get, it gets like washed through a bunch of different suits <laughs> before it ends up yeah, on. Yeah, acting, acting like they're our friends. Right, on right. Social media. And they're just, they're just there to have fun with us when they're really these like, billionaires yeah yeah now i want to i do want to our producer olivia did give us some clarity on the m&m's controversy which is that mars was criticized for the green m&m sexy characterization when the characters were redesigned green not only got new shoes but she and the brown m&m also became friendlier toward each other showcasing a force supporting women 
Eminem's changes were criticized and gained widespread attention, with Tucker Carlson ridiculing the changes and TikTok users criticizing the company for feeling it needed to step to strip the character of her sexuality. So it's like everyone all sides was angry. Kind of, what's that? I like it. No, it's, I see the note. It just says everyone was angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all sides kind of weighing in on this thing. I, I, I guess. I guess the point is, A and W found this as an opportunity to, <laughs> really? to uh, jump on board and kind of maybe try and stir up some of their own controversy in case anyone's paying attention. And this is probably can the I, most uh, that it's been talked about anywhere. Can, can I admit something really sad to you guys Please. that I, yeah. that that occurred to me later in this conversation as you were talking about Rudy the the root beer? <laughs> yeah. It, that it really didn't occur to me until just now that it was Rudy the Root Bear. Oh, yeah. B-E-A-R. Yeah. You know. Uh, Honestly, coming to me for the first time as well. And I, I mean, appreciate I'm ass- explaining I'm ass- that. I'm assuming this is the case, but like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan now. I'm going to look him up and I'm going to buy a t-shirt of, of Rudy the Root Bear. I, I, I think this is, I don't well, know. Andrew- I'm, I'm, I back him. He, this is my favorite company of all of them. A and W. I think, I think this is the, the winner here. And well, well, no, well, the winner is that's, that's the winner in terms of likability, but the winner of this contest, you know, forgive me, Joan, if I'm wrong, cause this is absolutely a hundred percent your game. <laughs> But I feel like the the decision we have to make is um, is which one of these companies puts profits before people the most, <laughs> and, as, yeah, you, and, as you worded as I it. Worded. And so Andrew's going with Post Foods, okay, go. Vanessa, what's your call? Same, yeah. same, Post Foods, okay, go. I'm going to go you, same here, and I just want to say to Andrew, I think your attitude towards Rudy is very, uh, really positive Generous. and really like yeah. a nice way to spin it. And I think, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm a big fan of the underdog. That's yeah. always been my thing. I, think I mean, there's a ba- it's a bear in this case. Yeah, but. yeah, the under bear. Yeah, I think I think it's a I think that's a nice way to think of it. I think, like I said, it's like that little kid at the baseball game, and like you wish him the best, but he's just he's just not there yet. But but why not give him a little encouragement? Yeah. Why not give him a little encouragement? And I'm sure your friend Adam would appreciate that too, Andrew. Totally. And I'll I'll say while we're kind of supporting A and W, I also want to say the A and W root beer. Barrels that candy, yeah. I believe those are by A and W. If you, those are delicious good candies. Yeah, really uh, good candies. Do you guys think there's a chance that maybe A and W is going to sign up as one of the sponsors of the show after they hear this? I, I, I feel like it's possible. I, I think only if they listen all the way to the end. <laughs> Yeah, should should like, definitely package I feel this like clip. We, this wasn't like a clear. Uh, <laughs> we weren't kind of supporting them the whole way. I think we really only came around Andrew once once we you kind of reframed it for us, and now I think we're on board. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, we needed we yeah. needed your reframing. So thank you for that, yeah. and, and I'm sure NW appreciates it as well. Yeah, as long totally. as they weren't placating Tucker Carlson, I'm pre- <laughs> I feel okay about it. <laughs> but we can leave it at that. Fair enough. Well, Andrew. <laughs> Where can people find you? We mentioned you have a new record coming out March 31st. You have you have your book, Three Pianos. Where can people find out more information about you and sort of all your projects? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. I should know the answer, but yeah, you're already, you're already learning ab- about my, my presence on social media <laughs> through this conversation. Okay, do not check Andrew's social uh, media. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure I have a website that's like maybe my name.com. Um, and I'm on Instagram at a M N the wilderness, which is a really easy handle. I'm sure to follow. <laughs> I'm like really just trying to hide in plain sight if it's at all possible. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you just look my name up, I'm sure you can figure out what I'm up to. Great. Amazing. Great. Great. Well, that was really fun. Thanks so much to Andrew for joining us and to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the podcast. Keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird? where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones, like taking piano lessons as a kid. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Andrew. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.